Welcome to the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Sacco. I'm a longtime spondy looking to bring the community closer to give the community a voice. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Enjoy and learn what is available to make your life better. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Axial Spondyloarthritis Podcast. As you probably noticed, this episode's coming out right on the heels of the last one. So it's a twofer kind of week since I kind of slacked off in the beginning of the month and didn't get enough episodes out. With that said, let's look at a topic that is very important to many of my listeners, and that is the both diagnosis and treatment of axial spondyloarthritis in women. Now, the article that I'm going to review today, it talks about ankylosing spondylitis. But again, if you are a any person, any gender, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, and you are trying to get a diagnosis, it's imperative that you're using the term axial spondyloarthritis, especially if you're pushing, as I've said before, if you're pushing to say, hey, I've got ankylosing spondylitis, and the doctor's saying, but I, you don't have any fusion, there's no noticeable damage and you're frustrated because you feel like you're not being heard, that's why it's important to use the term axial spondyloarthritis, which encompasses both non-radiographic and ankylosing spondylitis. Because the doctor might be right. You might not have ankylosing spondylitis. You might have non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, which gives you all of the pain and symptoms of ankylosing spondylitis. It just hasn't developed the fusion portion of it yet. And that's why it's so important, I think, to use that term axial spondyloarthritis when you're pushing for a diagnosis. So with that, let's get into this article. It's from Everyday Health, and it's titled, Eight Things Women Who Have Ankylosing Spondylitis Need to Know. And like always, there will be a link to it in the show notes. I encourage you, please go down, read the article, but in addition, share this episode with anybody you think that might be dealing with or, or wondering about ankylosing spondylitis, any women that you know that might be trying to push to get a diagnosis, share this episode with them, send it off to them, let them listen. Again, you have to be your best advocate, whether you're a man or a woman, you have to be the one that is trying to push the doctor to get as much from them as possible. So with that, again, eight things women who have ankylosing spondylitis need to know. Well, we all know that for many, many years, as this disease was kind of developed and thought about that it was considered primarily a men's disease and we know that that's just not the case anymore it's just that women can present differently and they were they being doctors were looking at certain criteria and not seeing that exact criteria in women and thinking well in addition to being studied mostly in men they were thinking that women weren't getting it it was attributed to all sorts of different other things and as the knowledge of and understanding of this condition is progressed and become much more detailed. We're still a long way from even knowing what starts it, let alone other must-know topics. But what we are starting to understand is that women get it basically at the same level that men get it, and that it can present differently in women. And this is where some of the issues come into play, I think, with diagnosis. So if you're a woman who has been diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, a type of inflammatory arthritis that primarily affects the spine, the article mentions. There are certain things you'll want to know about how this condition can impact you specifically, such as the ways AS might progress differently for a woman compared with men, how treatment might be bet- differ you know, between the genders, and how it might affect both pregnancy and childbirth. So here are some items that the article covers that we'll talk about. Number one, ankylosing spondylitis isn't just a man's disease. Again, contrary to the historical 
thought process on this condition about ankylosing spondylitis, it doesn't predominantly affect men. The earliest studies of the disease put the incident rate in men compared to women about 10 to 1. But there's been more recent research shows that the rates are closer to equal for men and women. And this is from the Spondylitis Association of America. And it's been found that more women will start off being diagnosed with non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis. The conversion rates, how much it progresses to ankylosing spondylitis, I don't know. Again, that is why it's so imperative to use the term axial spondyloarthritis when you're trying to get a diagnosis. There's a woman that they interviewed in the article, Dr. Goodman, Susan Goodman, who's a rheumatologist at the Hospital for Special Surgery, and she mentions it's practically the same now. She says this new understanding has to do with changes in how AS is defined and diagnosed. Starting in the 80s, doctors began using magnetic resonance imaging, MRIs, to see active inflammation in the SI joints, which connect the bottom of the spine to the pelvis, giving them, the doctors, the ability to see damage that was not visible on x-rays. This made it possible to diagnose AS much, much earlier. In 2009, doctors began using the umbrella term axial spondyloarthritis to refer to the inflammatory arthritis that causes pain and swelling, primarily in the spine and SI joints. There are two subtypes of AS axial spondyloarthritis. There's non-radiographic, which means the joint damage is not visible in x-rays, and there's ankylosing spondylitis, which means the joint damage can be seen in x-rays. These two categories can be thought of as two stages of AS. As I've said, it's a like a plane. If you think about progressing from the non-radiographic to the ankylosing spondylitis, it's, it's a matter of time. Some won't progress, some will stay closer to the non-radiographic side, and some will go hardcore into the AS. That's what I did, and that's what many others I know have done. Either way, you still deal with the same pain. These two categories, they can be thought of two stages. It goes on to mention one with little or no damage in the spine or SI joints, and one with definitive, clear, visible damage. She goes on to note that it should be noted that not everyone with non-radiographic goes on to develop changes that can be seen on x-rays. So again, that's why it's so important to use that umbrella term to cover both sides of the table when you're looking for a diagnosis. This new way of defining axial spondyloarthritis has made it possible for the condition to be more visible in women who tend to have fewer changes or damage that can be seen in x-rays, according to Dr. Goodman. Women are less likely to have radiographic damage, so if your screening procedure is an x-ray, you're less likely to be able to confirm a diagnosis in a woman, says Goodman. MRIs have really changed that, and now we've seen more of a gender parity. Again, that is where it's, again, you, you need as a patient trying to get a diagnosis to understand the terminologies and why you talk about one form versus another and how to help be your best advocate. Number two, it takes longer for women to get the correct diagnosis. Hopefully this is coming down, but women experience a significant delay in receiving an AS diagnosis compared to men, according to the Spondylitis Association of America. A review published in August of 2020 in Seminars in Arthritis and Rheumatism found that it can take about nine years on average for six and a half years for men, for women to get the right diagnosis. And this diagnosis delay leads to a domino effect, to a treatment delay, to pain reduction delay. Everything is delayed, and that just makes a much, much more challenging condition for women to deal with this. One factor is a persistent misunderstanding of how prevalent ankylosing spondylitis is in women. I think the biggest factor is probably bias on the part of healthcare providers, notes Dr. Ehrman. If you don't fit the demographics, you're less likely to get the diagnosis. Also, differences in how ankylosing spondylitis affects women may also lead to misdiagnosis. Women tend to experience pain in areas that aren't considered typical of AS, the joints or the arms, legs or neck, for instance. 
Because of this, women are more likely to get an initial diagnosis of fibro, says Dr. Ehrman, and that may also have something to do with bias because fibro is more common in women than it is in men and is considered to be a female disease. Results of a survey of 235 people with ankylosing spondylitis that was published in June of 2019 in the journal Rheumatology and Therapy found that 21% of women were incorrectly diagnosed with fibro compared with 7% of men. That's huge. One out of four women that think they have fibro probably don't, and they probably have something different. AS also is often wrongly diagnosed as chronic back pain caused by minor trauma, bad posture, or poor body mechanics, Dr. Goodman says. If you look at what a general practitioner deals with, 90% of women at some point or another go in complaining of lower back pain, says Dr. Goodman. So to be able to sort out inflammatory back pain is a bit of a challenge for doctors. Most doctors don't routinely screen for inflammatory arthritis since lower back pain is so common. I think that combination, normal x-ray, no consistent screening for inflammatory back pain, and I personally think there is a tendency to disregard women's musculoskeletal complaints, has been a real problem over time, says Dr. Goodman. Number three, women have less radiographic damage but more disability. This I always find to be fascinating as far as a a statistic. As noted, women tend to have less joint damage that can be seen on an x-ray than men, according to the Spondylitis Association of America. But doctors have theories, but no clear explanation for this distinction. This may be linked to sex differences and how men and women react to inflammation in AS or how they respond to medications used to treat the condition. There's a doctor, Anna Orbai, an assistant professor of medicine and the director of the psoriatic arthritis program, uh, in the Division of Rheumatology at Johns Hopkins, goes on to talk about gene selection. And the type of damage that is spotted on x-rays also creates problems for people who are pregnant or plan to become pregnant. So maybe because of that, there was a natural selection of genes that control radiographic progression to women. Again, all of this is the unknown, and this is all stuff that still needs to be learned. You know, when you think about where it's come over the last, oh, 40 years that I've been dealing with it, roughly, and what the changes have been, what the next 40 years can be is going to be huge. But, you know, we have to live in the here and now, and so you need to be aware of these things as you try to push for your both treatment plans as well as a diagnosis. So smoking is another potential factor for radiographic progression, and historically it is more common for men to smoke than women, says Dr. Ehrman. You know, that smoking may help to make that inflammation move faster, which, again, if if that is the case, something that needs to be looked at, and it's another great reason that if you smoke, to stop. Though women have less radiographic damage, they tend to experience more symptoms, such as increased fatigue, pain, and limitations in mobility, notes the SAA. If you look at the scores that are used to measure disease activity, women often have higher scores than men, says Dr. Ehrman, and when you use tools that measure quality of life, women fare worse than men. This remains true even when you control for disease activity in some objective way, which means women are somehow experiencing this disease differently, he adds. And that is very important to remember is that women experience a lot of this disease differently than men. So when you are going into the doctor, you need to be very, very upfront about what you understand, what you expect, and what you're hoping to accomplish. Make sure you're writing everything down. Make sure you're tracking the pain that you have, where it is, how consistent it is. That all can help that doctor to better understand what's going on with you. Number four, women tend to have more widespread pain. Women with axial spondyloarthritis tend to have more inflammation and pain in areas beyond the back, such as in the joints of the neck, the arms, and the legs, and are less likely to see a doctor specifically for back pain, according to a review in 2018. Pain characteristics in women are less typical, says Dr. Amen. 
Women have more pain in the upper neck and it's more widespread. And women with widespread pain experience a significant longer delay in diagnosis. These are all little things that you want to be aware of and be understanding of, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you have. Sometimes looking at a textbook may not work or looking up certain things may not work because if it's primarily based on older data where it was primarily looked at men, they might not have been able to update it yet to show some of the ways that AS affects women. Number five, some research suggests women may have an increased risk of associated conditions. Some research has pointed to possible sex differences in condition related to AS. There was a review done of 734 people with AS in Ireland that was presented at the 2019 annual meeting of the American College of Rheumatology, and that found that women may have higher rates of inflammatory bowel disease and uveitis. Other studies have shown that psoriasis may occur more frequently in women compared to men, according to the 2018 review. However, according to Dr. Ehrman, more data is needed before the firm conclusions can be drawn about whether these conditions are more common in women versus men. So again, like many things associated with AS, it still needs to be uh, solidified and, and verified that that's really what's going on. Number six, pregnancy and childbirth will require discussions with your doctor and monitoring your symptoms. Because AS is typically diagnosed in people younger than 40, with as many as 80% of people developing their first symptoms before age 30, pregnancy and childbirth is an issue many women will want to discuss with their doctors. There hasn't been enough research on pregnancy and AS, likely because the disease was previously considered to be a male disease, says Dr. Ehrman, and the fact that many women have lower back pain during pregnancy can make it even much more difficult to sort out who may be experiencing symptoms of AS, notes Dr. Goodman. Some studies suggest, in general, having a baby will not significantly change the course of the disease, according to the Arthritis Foundation. However, there is some data suggests that an increased risk of pregnancy complications and possibly higher C-sections in women who have ankylosing spondylitis, especially depending on the severity of the disease and the activity level of the disease. There's also been research that's shown symptoms may worsen during the second and third trimester of a pregnancy, possibly due to women stopping their medications or the physical demands of pregnancy on the body. There was studies have done on this. There's links in the article. I'd encourage you if you're considering having children or pregnant or know somebody that is or thinking about having children, forward this on to them. Let them listen. Let them start to digest what they're dealing with or may be dealing with. And according to the Spondylitis Association of America, when disease activity increases in pregnancy, women are more likely to experience complications such as gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, infection, and preterm labor and delivery. So it's very important to understand all these things and how they tie in and be just very, very aware of what you could possibly be dealing with. Women with AS are also more likely to have elective C-sections and give birth to babies who are small for their gestational age. With the sacroiliac joints being fused, if that may happen, that can make you know, a normal childbirth much, much more difficult, if not impossible. And so a C-section might be the only option. So you just, all of it ties in and things you might not even consider off the bat really can be affected. You have to consider your medication that you can take during a pregnancy, the medication you can't take during a pregnancy, and what all the outcomes are. So it's just a whole lot of items that need to be considered. And that's why it's very important every other doctor you have involved as you go through a pregnancy. Number seven, ankylosing spondylitis can affect your emotional health. Well, we know this, and we know that this really can cross both genders. It's not necessarily an issue of one versus the other. 
people with ankylosing spondylitis are more likely to experience both depression and anxiety at greater rates than those who don't have the disease. And this was done from an analysis of a published study in 2020 in the Journal of BMC Rheumatology. And again, all of these, don't worry about writing them down. Click on the link in the show notes to the article, which then the article has links to all these studies. I think it's very important. You may want to go out and you know read these further to, again, increase your knowledge of what you're dealing with. The authors of the BMC Rheumatology Analysis noted that their finding highlights the importance of evaluating and treating the mental health of people living with uh, this condition. And we know that. And I've done many, many episodes on this. If you're getting to a point where you're feeling defeated by this disease or having a rough time with life or thinking, I used to be able to do this, now I can't, or I used to be able to do this quickly and now it takes two or three times as long, get help. Talk to anybody that will you know, listen and be of assistance to you, whether it be a professional therapist, whether it be you know, a religious person, whether it be uh, just a friend or somebody through the forums on Facebook. Make sure you're staying connected to people and reaching out and Again, that all both applies to both men and women. You know, they go on to talk about, well, symptoms of such as pain and uh, physiological limitations may affect both men and women, says Dr. Orby. The condition may be more likely to trigger feelings of guilt in a woman. AS causes stiffness and pain as well as fatigue. Women may feel guilty when they are not able to function at the level they expect from themselves. And this may in turn lead to anxiety and depression and other forms of emotional impact. One thing, if you have a partner or a spouse that is not, how do I say this, not supportive, that can really just trigger this uh, depression and anxiety. So for those of you that have spouses that are very understanding and helpful, be grateful. That's a, that's a wonderful option to have. And if you don't, or you have your, your partner's not understanding, make sure to reach out and find it that, uh, that help in some other you know, way. And then finally, number eight, more research is needed on treatment for women. Well, that is very true. More treatment is, and research is needed on treatments for everybody. But for women, because it's taking longer to diagnose, we need to be getting the doctors at a much, much higher likelihood of understanding that not everything is fibro, that there may be issues far more deeper. And just because there's no visible damage on x-rays, that it still could be something tied into the spondylarthritis. And that, again, is why it's so important when you're trying to get a diagnosis. Stop using the term ankylosing spondylitis. You need to remove that term from your vocabulary, and you need to use axial spondylarthritis. I'm I'm telling you, it is imperative that you do that. So one thing that they know in the article discusses is TNF inhibitors, which are a type of biologic medication used to treat AS, seem to be less effective in women. And some studies show that women tend to switch medications more frequently, which may indicate that they aren't working for them. So doctors aren't sure why these medications may be less effective in women. One theory suggests women's higher body fat may play a role, but given that the majority of research has been done in men, it's clear that more studies need to be done with the treatment of AS in women specifically to find out why these medications are not holding up or why they are not as effective or what types would be effective. So with that said, those eight things, I know we covered it quickly. It's just a 20-some-odd minute episode, but go to the link in the show notes. Go and, and read these items and find out for yourself what is going on and, and be much more stronger positioned to discuss with the doctors why you're 
encountering these different items. Understand that you that pain in your neck might not be something else you thought it was. It could be AS. The headaches you get could be from the stiff neck. So again, it's imperative that you speak with your doctor. And this episode was a result of the article being forwarded to me from another person with AS and said, hey, here's something great. But if you have articles that you think would make great episodes that others should hear about, please share them with me. Send them via Facebook Messenger or go to spondypodcast.com and send me an email. Be happy to review it and you know make sure we get the more information out there, the better. With that said, I know we're here in the States moving into a holiday week. So for everybody here in the United States, happy Thanksgiving. I wish everyone the best. For those of you outside the United States, I still wish you the best. Make sure that as you go on to Spondy Podcast, if you want to help the show, follow the links to Amazon when you do your purchases. You don't have to buy what's listed in the show. Just follow the link through and then complete your purchases. Doesn't cost you an extra penny, but throws a little small amount back to the show, and that all adds up to help keep the show going. So I really appreciate it. You all are the best listeners, and I look forward to talking to you all as we come up on future episodes. Take care and have a wonderful, wonderful week.